Oh, whoa oh, there, little fella. Where'd you fall from? No place. Just leave me alone. No place? No place? Never been there. What's your name? Buster. Well, Buster, don't you have a mom somewhere that's probably worried about you? <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to endeavor to do now? I'm going to run away and join the circus. Oh, the circus, the circus. Now you're talking sense. The circus is an ocean with some spice. You know, I know a little fellow who ran away and joined the circus. Say, ain't you a dinosaur? Why, yes. From tooth to toe, I am. Then what the heck are you doing playing golf? I'm smart, Buster. I'm one smart dinosaur. But I wasn't always. You what? No, no siree. No, I started off stupid and violent. You did? This was a long time ago, you understand? A long time ago. I was a real terror then. I was a real animal. And I was hungry all the time. It's rambling and ambling podcast time. The podcast where we roll back the rock to take a look at the movies of Amblin Entertainment. Making sure we've had our morning bowl of brain grain as we discuss the output from the production company founded by Steven Spielberg, Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. All the while doing our best to avoid joining the dreaded circus. I am one half of your host, Andy Godian. And the other half, uh, having had a sufficient amount of brain drain, Joshua Glenn. And today we would love to welcome two guests to, to our episode today, making our own little makeshift herd. We have Jack Buckley, our friend and Philo Warwick grad, who joined us or Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And today we'd also like to welcome a pair of new eyes, if you will, in the form of Lucy Ogilvie. Welcome to Ramblin' Lucy. <laughs> it is a pleasure to be here. What an introduction, my goodness. <laughs> I'm back. We're back. We're, I'm, we're, we're back. back. I'm back on listen the podcast. Is, listen, we're back on the podcast. Jack and Lucy fought tooth and nail to be included on the We're Back a Dinosaur Story <laughs> 2. Veritable We're Back super fans with us today. Yes, well, I think we've kind yes. of. It's a, good, it's a good angle because Lucy knows everything about this film and I know nothing <laughs> about this film. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to point out to listeners too that Lucy is no stranger to the podcast game, having previously hosted with Mr. Buckley here a podcast on the my beloved hometown boys, the Chuckle Brothers, called To Me To You Today. So please, <laughs> please tell us what that was about and why it's no longer with us. Well, um, several reasons why it's no longer with us. Uh, I think all of them understandable, probably don't need to be discussed. Um, so this, this was a podcast that um, me jack on the call and my partner also called jack so very confusing for me as you can imagine 
um, decided to do a Chuckle Vision retrospective watching through all episodes of Chuckle Vision uh, dating back to the very, very early days and moving into the early 2000s. We only got through the first series, I think. Um, sick of it. We got sick of it. <laughs> we got sick of it. I mean, these guys, they're carrying ladders. They're saying to me, to you, really, there's not a lot to comment on. Um, we realized <laughs> by about episode three. But I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was good fun. And um, obviously, uh, I'd like to take a moment to say <laughs> rest, in, rest in peace to... <laughs> I mean, is this the appropriate time? I, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I don't know why yeah. you're laughing. So, no, it is. Hey, no, hey, I'm, I'm, laugh, I'm laughing because of, of the the fact that I'm I have to deliver this very serious message so early on. Uh, we miss you, uh, Barry or Paul. I can't it's remember. Ba- Barry. <laughs> we miss you, Barry, and um, oh, thank you so R- much for all the May content you, you gave us. R.I.P. A real one. Yeah, a real one. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be. It's, it's gonna be a sad one. Barry's death. It's going to be a sad one. <laughs> it was a great fun podcast. Is it, still, is it still hosted? Is it still listenable to anyone who might want to dig it out? I don't think so. I think the um, original episodes still exist in some form on my old laptop. So um, hopefully they won't be brought out at some kind of special occasion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, so sadly they are not available for public consumption at this time. But I'm sure on some sort of anniversary we'll, date we'll email we will you afterwards. Them. Yeah, yeah, we can, I always, we can do that on Patreon kind of, or something. <laughs> I had like a pit in my stomach every time we record one because I kind of listened to the things that we were saying and then just imagine in like 10 years time sitting in the dock in a court and having like transcripts of the podcast read out as both the Chuckle Brothers kind of stare daggers at me from the other side of the courtroom. It is is actually also, it's very lucky for us that um, Barry sadly did pass away after we finished, um, decided to close up shops on Chuckle Vision because it would have been a very interesting turn as we became sort of current (laughs) events as opposed to to a retrospective. That would have been... uh, (laughs) Pivot to a true crime podcast. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. All the evidence the judge needs. I don't think there was anything untoward about about Barry's death. May he rest in peace. Um, Yes, may he rest in peace. (laughs) Now... Lucy, seeing as you are new to the show, we'd love to ask new guests uh, what it is that they know about Amblin Entertainment or the films of Amblin uh, beforehand, before going into uh, joining us today. Was it something that uh, was a fixture in your childhood or is this something you've kind of only kind of recently come come to the knowledge of this banner of films? So um, I am at once perfect and also a great disappointment for this particular episode because the only film that I am <laughs> deeply familiar with is We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Um, so in, in, ter- in terms of the entire... You were born for this. <laughs> yes, I, I can't believe that the stars have aligned in, in this way. Um, so I, I am obviously aware of, of the films of um, Spielberg, and and his and his great work. Billberg uh, was that? <laughs> Tilberg, <laughs> no. But but really, my um, uh, I'll say expertise li- lies in purely we're back a dinosaur story. <laughs> um, so so yes, uh, that's that's how I that's how I am sort of 
on the podcast today is, is purely that i'm afraid any background <laughs> knowledge is uh, is beyond me <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> i suppose i should ask my question but i don't expect anything really but do you uh are you familiar with et is that a film that you have seen do you cry at et that's the alien lad <laughs> right yeah little little lad short little legs, alien lad the long finger uh, <laughs> loves to cycle right so loves to cycle of, he doesn't cycle himself right he okay he doesn't he cycling. doesn't cycle yeah. right he likes being no, I, a, a real a real vorb type likes being in a basket yeah. <laughs> i i have been in a room when et has been on mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily translate to me uh, knowing E.T., I, I, I had a very specific um, childhood in, in the countryside, which was mainly revolved around the set of VHSs that we had at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so therefore, sort of the, my kind of context for the world of film, especially in how it relates to my childhood, relates only around these, these particular VHSs that we had, uh, of which obviously We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, featured very heavily. Um, but otherwise, um, I'm, I'm afraid I, I, as I said, I, am aware of E.T. and his movements. Um, Lucy, what what else was in that video rotation? Mm. Out of interest. Well, (laughs) weirdly walking with dinosaurs. Uh, I I don't know if you remember. I mean, I, I, I didn't pick. I didn't. Right, I didn't pick the VHSs, but I'm starting to think that whoever did clearly had an agenda in terms of driving my childhood <laughs> consumption. <laughs> yeah, very dinosaur focused. Um, but not, that, not uh, Jurassic uh, Park, though. Uh, no, not Jurassic Park. Um, but we did also have um, another obscure VHS, which was a cartoon series called Ivor the Engine. Which oh, I don't. Yeah, I oh yeah! Oh go! Oh, this yeah. is the first time yeah. anyone's ever actually registered that, that existed. <laughs> okay, great. There's a little guy just going along. On yes. The, on the little paper background. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so if you can imagine, I, I kind of went between the three of those, and and that sort of formed most of my fun, my formative what years. A wild cocktail to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> this is quite interesting because as I was watching, uh, we're back, uh, the dinosaur film. I, it, it kind of posits this idea that all children are inherently fascinated and excited by dinosaurs. Like, not a single child is ambivalent about dinosaurs. And I was like, that can't be true. Well, no, no, think, I, I had... I had no option. I had no option. So that's why, that's why the film resonated with me. Because it was sort of like, finally... It caters specifically to someone whose only other VHS is like, walking with dinosaurs. So yeah, it's, uh, that's um, that, that's my knowledge of, of film. It relates to those three VHSs. Um, <laughs> that's excellent. That's excellent. I'm very happy with that response. <laughs> <laughs> now, for the listeners who may not be too sure uh, what we're back at Dinosaur <clears throat> Stories all about, Joshua Glenn, would you be so kind as to let them in on uh, on, on what's going on down in New York City? Yeah, easy peasy. <laughs> We open on Buster the Bird, voiced by Blaze Birdall, plucky, though no pun intended. Plucky. Feathers. Little bird who's fed up of being mollycoddled by his mother, voiced by Rhea Perlman, and bullied by the cooler birds, so decides to fly away from home. On the way out, though, he encounters a dinosaur playing golf. Despite the warnings of his mother, he decides to approach the dinosaur and engage in conversation. The dinosaur is Rex, and for sorry, what were you going to say, Lucy? 
I just want to say this is already a very chaotic beginning, and this is why it's such a good. There's a, there's a bird, and then there's also a dinosaur playing golf. It's so Not chaotic. Only birds getting bullied dinosaur as well. <laughs> and he's getting bullied. In the in the the cast section on Wikipedia, there were little um, editorial descriptions of each of the characters that the actors voiced. So I want to have included those as part of this because they're, they're good. I like it. I like it. Excellent. The dinosaur is Rex, a kind Tyrannosaurus Rex, voiced by John Goodman, and he tells Buster the Bird that he wasn't always the figure of a modern man that stands before him. No, sir. Back in the day, he used to be a feral, carnivorous beast. We then flash back to the late Cretaceous period to see Rex in full predatory glory. It's not long, though, before he's approached by a great gazoo knockoff Vorb, an irritating alien voiced by Jay Leno, who takes Rex to a spaceship and feeds him brain grain until he's more human-sized, <laughs> domesticated. Feeds Can I just say that <laughs> a, a, thing, a thing which I noticed sort of watching as an adult is when we flip back to this Cretaceous period... Um, Rex in flashback, fierce dinosaur before the serial, um, fierce dinosaur. Rex is making dinosaur-like noises, roars you'd expect. The dinosaur he's chasing screams like a human man, <laughs> which is a very uh, <laughs> maybe it's nipple, nipple yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very confusing. Spaceship feeds force feeds him, I should say. Brain grain until he's more human-sized, domesticated, and can speak fluent English. Vorb also does the same for a cluster of Rex's contemporaries. Woog, a gluttonous triceratops voiced by René Levant. Elsa, an elegant pterodon voiced by Felicity Kendall. And Dweeb, a half-witted parasaurolophus voiced by Charles Fleischer. Parasaurolophus. <laughs> in another thematic uh, parallel was the voice of Mr. Rabbit in the Rebel Zemeckis film that Jack previously guested on. That's ah. a bit of synchronicity there. Uh, once they're all made good and, and stuff, they're introduced to the captain of the ship, can Captain I... New Eyes. Oh. Quickly, can I just... Yes. The, it's very important to note that all the dinosaurs are eating hot dogs. When mm. Oh yes, ship. all the dinosaurs are eating. All the dinosaurs <laughs> yes. Are, so yes, so once they're Even all the made, <laughs> once they're all made good and eating hot dogs, then they eat they're hot introduced dogs. to the captain of the ship, Captain New Eyes, voiced by Walter Cronkite. Yes, Walter Cronkite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, use, tells... use caster, right? He tells them the ship is actually a time machine and he intends to bring the dinosaurs back to the present day so that he can grant the wishes of sad children. He how does he know the wishes of sad children? How does he know the wishes of sad children are to see dinosaurs, you ask? Why? Because he has a wish radio, of course. Not long after he brings them back to the future, oh, New Eyes no. tells the dinosaurs to be mindful <laughs> no, of two people. People. I'd like people. to jump in here because yes. he kind of. He has a us, wish this radio. This is going to be. This is how yeah. we get through this. So the, in yeah. those wish videos, the children are either saying, "I wish I had a dinosaur," or "I wish I had a friend," and he's or, decided or, to. Or, I, or, I wish I had a Thanksgiving hat, which is, which is. A, oh yeah, well that gets fulfilled. It does that get paid off later on. Later on. It's but but it's it is he has decided to roll all of these wishes into one like it's a very selfless act him being like I'd like to use my retirement years to fill as many children's wishes as like I can but he wants yeah. to do it as like he wants to take as short a cut as possible to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 well he's, he has to be he has to be filtering these wishes because there there is they they yeah, show sort of they show sort of shots of sort of children from around the world. 
saying I wish I wish I I wish I could see a real dinosaur. Oh, I and want I, us to see a dinosaur. And it it's very it's so specific. It's so <laughs> specific. Like I mean and yeah, also kids it's the wording isn't it? It's <laughs> All I wish is to see a dinosaur on the Macy's Day Parade in 1993. <laughs> um, so not long after he brings them back to the future, New Eyes tells the... Hey, that's a film, isn't it? New Eyes tells the dinosaurs to be mindful of two people. The first is Dr. Juliet, Ble- Juliet Bleeb, a worker at the Museum of Natural History who is uh, to meet the dinosaurs and take them to safety voiced by Julia Child in her only credited film role. Uh, the second is Professor Screw-Eyes, voiced by Kenneth Mars, the evil circus-owning twin of Captain New-Eyes. Uh, with that, New-Eyes drops them in the Hudson River, where they unfortunately land on Louis, a brave young boy from a lower-class background who runs away <laughs> to join a circus, according to Wikipedia, voiced by Joey Shea. Uh, Rex uh, I feel. I feel... I, I think I just want to quickly dive back because there's so much to, to cover and all of it is deeply, deeply important. Um, the the fact that New Eyes has a twin brother called Screw Eyes is interesting to me because it suggests that one of them named themselves after after the... Who, who went... Because if I was Screw Eyes, I'd be pretty mad. If like my like you know yeah. uh, my brother called himself New Eyes because I it just it they there's a lot of potential law here which is glossed over in the fact that he's my <laughs> evil twin brother and the line is um, he was driven mad by the loss of his eye long ago we don't go into that we don't go there's into that there's a deleted that. scene Lucy there's a deleted scene you can see on YouTube we'll talk about that later oh but let's I, cover that later <laughs> yeah yeah but I, I like the idea of the family name being screw eyes and then he loses his eye and that has it replaced by a screw and he's like oh my god oh, this is absolutely <laughs> classic myself from this guy I'm gonna be new yeah. eyes it's like and it's like it's like Schrodinger's Schrodinger's screw eyes his brother's kind of like as he's chucking them out of this like by the way watch out for my twin brother screw eyes like well he's gonna come up again (laughs) oh stay away from the circus now (laughs) so so uh louis little louis they meet um what does louis Louis Louis. want and uh, well rex rex recognizes louis from uh, new eyes wish radio and knows that his wish is to have a friend so he decides that he'll be this friend on account of being a kind tyrannosaurus rex as mentioned previously in the synopsis as they travel through the city the dinosaurs to find the Bleeb Lady and Louis to find a circus to join. They engage in a spot of sing-songing that leads them to be pursued by the police. They split up in trying to evade the law, and in doing so, Louis happens upon the balcony of Cecilia Nunthatch, a young girl from a wealthy family who is neglected Say by her again. parents. Eh? Say that again. Uh, Nun- Cecilia Nun- Nunthatch. Nunthatch. Well, then, nut, nut hatch, isn't it? Nut nut, hatch. It's like, nut hatch. She says incredibly clearly in her <laughs> very well, well-spoken debutante. Look, yeah, it is nut hatch. It is nut hatch. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll find. I think the voice of Lisa Simp- the voice of Lisa Simpson says very clearly, "My name is Celia." <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, uh, Lisa <laughs> nut hatch. Cecilia <laughs> nut hatch. That <laughs> name is. I. The only reason I remember that name so well. Is uh, I said out loud, good name when she said. <laughs> 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 like, good name. <laughs> uh, 
uh, uh, who, who, as I mentioned, is a young girl from a wealthy family who is neglected by her parents and voiced rather distractingly by Yardley Smith. Uh, with Cecilia in tow, Luce, uh, Louis heads to Central Park to try and find Glebe. Unfortunately, this is where Screw Eye's evil circus is, and it's not long before he's made them sign an evil contract in blood so that he owns them forever. <laughs> oh no! What will happen? Will everyone do the thing, or will, uh, will it all be bad? And what of Stubbs the Clown, voiced by Martin Short? And what's still with the birds at the start? These are all questions. <laughs> These are all questions. These are all genuine, genuine questions. Please, someone help Josh. <laughs> I to focus it back to you a sec, Jack. I know you were saying like you came to know from this film of Lucy's deep, deep, deep connection with it. Uh, mm. What what did you know about it beforehand yourself, or was it very much you were like, "What's that?" Two <laughs> two, two things. Obviously, uh, listeners to the podcast will know because I mentioned it in the last podcast. Me and Josh do a bad movie night every week, <laughs> um, and if one of us has to leave for whatever reason, we'll come back and say. We're back a dinosaur story. <laughs> the, the, in it, give the film name in its in its in its entirety. So I knew the title of the film, but it was the curiosity of looking at the filmography of um, John Patrick Stanley. Oh no, John! Oh no, let me go. Let me do that back. John I've got to get his name right. Stanley. I work in fucking film. It's uh, Sean. No, you'll what keep it. it. If I got a nut hatch wrong, yeah. you're keeping Sean Patrick Stanley. That'll be that'll be two two careers in tatters by the end of this podcast. So I love John Patrick Stanley. I got his being Irish is like 70 percent of his whole thing, and I got the damn Irish part of his name wrong. Um, but the fact that you know. Oscar Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Shanley wrote this and Doubt and Moonstruck was just a little curiosity. But I think it is so nutty that actually it makes perfect sense. It, the, the fact that the film makes no sense makes yes. the fact that he wrote it make perfect yeah. sense yes. in many ways. I fully agree. <laughs> I feel like they've just signed a contract in blood. Is that right to an elderly man? Um, yes. If, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> I, so. I love, I just, I love, I know it so well inside out, but I love to hear it retold in a different way. You know, I love this. It doesn't, it sometimes just doesn't even make sense. I'm like, I, yes, that did happen. And I did see that, but why? <laughs> when, whenever I write these synopses, I always use the Wikipedia description as a prompt to make me remember the order of events. In this one, the Wikipedia synopsis, it doesn't even bother mentioning that there are birds at the very start or a dinosaur <laughs> playing golf. It's just like, no, come on, we've got too much, too much work to do. <laughs> yeah. It's quite interesting, the fact that they include that whole bit with the birds. And the bird wants to leave home, right? The bird is like, I'm, yeah. I'm out of here because my brothers are mean to me. And then, and then he. The, the implication is that the dinosaur teaches him that leaving home at, when, before he's ready is a bad thing. That's not what the film's about, and that's like the conclusion. <laughs> if anything, the film's about how, as Rex and his mates do, they leave where they're from and have an absolutely brilliant time. Like that should be an inspiration. That should spur him on to leave. And also, just seeing that dumpy dinosaur play golf, absolute Donald Trump vibe. Did anyone else? Pick that <laughs> yes. <up? laughs> That's who it is. That's who yeah, it that's is. Who it is. <laughs> Maybe Donald Trump oh. saw this film at the young age of 
whatever mid his mid forties. So <laughs> mid very impressionable. <laughs> I am inspired. <laughs> <laughs> He's working on that brain grain right now. We're gonna oh, see. We'll see. You'll all so, see. Lucy, I'm just fascinated by. So, how many times do you think you've seen this film in total b- before rewatching it for this podcast? If indeed oh, no. you did, if, if indeed you needed to. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I just need to check my tattoo. Hang on one second. Um... <laughs> I imagine this is like a prison break style tattoo where you've just got the full map of your life on your back. It tells you every right. time you've it's got it. Ma- <laughs> you get it updated every time. Yeah, I just I add little like box of brain grain cereal every time I rewatch yeah. it. They just go down my go down my the length of my spine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have probably seen it in my life before this particular period. It was probably about once a month between the ages of um, eight to ten. So. I mean, you do the math. Yo, you do the math. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's Why, definitely that's twenty four. It's definitely uh, oh yeah, that's actually that was yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, I'm not. Uh, thank you for for that because num- numbers, as you can tell, not not a strong dinosaurs. Ask me anything. Numbers. Yes. Well, <laughs> um, but no, I I, I saw it uh, a lot when I was growing up. Um, and I don't know if it has informed me as an adult, but I guess we'll find out during the course of this recording <laughs> uh, how just how much it's deeply, uh, I don't want to use the word damaged, but just how much it's deeply impacted me <laughs> as, as an adult, uh, the amount of times I've seen this film. Um, I've got a cult- controversial opinion. Shall I whack that out now, my hot take on this film? Oh, it's quite, uh, it's quite early doors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the dinosaurs are by far the worst part of this film. <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I alone here? I, I, yeah. I, I will build into this when I get to it. I, I do kind of agree that everything that's kind of added to the story, namely the dark twisted circus bit, I think is where it's like, oh. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like the inverse Jurassic World Dominion, isn't it? In that respect. Yeah. Right, no, I mean, because obviously it, it's based on originally on a children's book, which, which was about 20 pages long and didn't feature any of the stuff in the film apart from the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so all of that this new a, eyes, I read blue it. eyes, Louis and Cecilia. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've got it. I've got it on my shelf right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it is like... Definitely, I think it it suffers from um, the dinosaurs suffer. Mm. I I you can listen to the book on YouTube if you want uh, something to uh, get you to sleep tonight. It's uh, all of, all available on there. It's only about seven minutes long. Oh so, my god! So about ten percent of the film's on time. <laughs> Everything relating to We're Back a Dinosaur Story is on YouTube, so it seems because I'm I'm pretty sure we all watch it on YouTube as well. Yeah. It's um it's like Universal's see their animation strategy seems to be find a book with very little substance and then spin a mad story because boss baby is equally a picture book of about 15 pages long and then they turned it into this crazy world building franchise which has two feature films and three series i think actually that that is that is a a tragic point in that the other media i have consumed (laughs) 
almost in its entirety. <laughs> if you guys ever decide to do a boss baby podcast, <laughs> my God, can I contribute We're to that? Back. Um, <laughs> I feel like you guys have pre-agreed this bit that you were going to bring the boss yeah. baby into the equation. <laughs> We're born a boss baby story. <laughs> that's the that's the the rambling sequel podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Dissect. No, apparently don't get it me gets stuck. super convoluted. I haven't. I've, I've heard about the second one. Apparently, it gets very. Uh, I've not the seen weeds. the second one. Please, please don't get me started on Boss Baby because I've got, <laughs> I've got tight 15 minutes all about the opening <laughs> sequence on its own. But uh, let me guide you down some, produc- uh, some production history for We're Back at Dinosaur's Story to let you know how some of this kind of madness came to be. Um, as we mentioned there, it did begin life as a beloved children's book written by Hudson Talbot. Talbot. Published in 1987, which for some of it does follow quite closely to the actual film that you end up getting, or at least the first 20 minutes of the film, in which a group of dinosaurs are abducted by aliens, fed be- fed brain grain. I was quite surprised that brain grain was a thing that was also in the book. It's, <laughs> it's, was it in the? It was in the book. Is it? it was, it's described book. in the in the Wikipedia article. It's described vaguely as. Open brackets, vitamin, close brackets. <laughs> so I, I didn't, I didn't know whether the cereal element was purely for the film or not. No, no, they, they brain grains right there in Talbot's, in Talbot's Bible. That's so, that's so interesting. That is Bible. That's so interesting because this film is just full of like the shorter shortcuts you can take. Because I thought yeah. that that brain grain thing was just like. Yeah, they can talk. Yeah? Okay, they can talk. That's fine, we'll do that. And there's literally a bit where Rex points at the Screw Eyes poster and goes, that's the bad guy! As if, like, saying <laughs> directly to the audience, just like, do you, do oh, you yeah, get remember, where we're going? Do you get where we're going? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second, he's a plot point! But it it's the, it's the fact that I think even as a child, brain gain, the idea is that increases your intelligence. Mm-hmm. Intelligence doesn't necessarily correspond to knowing facts. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's I sort of like a, they, yeah, they, they 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 get intelligent and immediately the the pterodactyl Felicity Kendall's like, I'm a pterodactyl. And it's kind of like, well, no one's told you. No one's told you. That. Maybe they just like develop. <laughs> maybe they can like got a photographic memory after the fact so they, they just read loads of because it does go we learn geography math <laughs> <laughs> wait no they skip that part in the film actually I'm remembering they do. the book that's what, the bo- that's what happens in the book <laughs> <laughs> it is quite interesting they, do. they go like... to school and then they're sent to earth that's what happens in the book <laughs> in the film they eat hot dogs and then they go to earth yeah, yeah. It, it, maybe it, the it, hot dogs the learnings they replaced school with a hot dog session <laughs> yeah right. oh nice one america hot dogs and water cronkite <laughs> it's, it's also it's also quite strange to me one of the decisions of the film was to make everyone quite horny yes yeah um, absolutely sort of yes sort of i mean I, I don't know if this comes across in in the book but but everyone is is very horny from the off. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not in, in the book. In the film. I can I can comfortably say none of that okay, is in good. that twenty-page <laughs> bedtime story. The book's not, <laughs> okay, it's not, not a horny book. This this bedtime children's story is not horny. No. <laughs> right. Okay. Andy, when, That's a first. when does this book land on Spielberg's desk? That's what I want to know. And how involved? Because <laughs> I know a lot of the Amblin animation stuff. 
was like post Roger Rabbit. He he's kind of like <laughs> animation actually is an incredible medium. Da da da. I want to spare a load and was quite hands on at least yeah. story wise with a lot of the animations. So I think one the main thing you'll kind of take from this story is just kind of how the setup at Amblimation wasn't really designed to like kind of produce well-maintained quality shall we say yeah. <laughs> um first off um Ta- talbot was approached by hannah barbera in the late 80s about ah. making a cartoon series based on we're back um but universal quickly swooped in paid off hannah barbera to kind of keep him off the um property and bought it for specifically spielberg and amblimation um around a similar time that um universal were buying the rights to Jurassic Park as well in like around 89, 90. So they were very much going to bank in on dinosaur mania. That's so interesting. It's Phil Burke. It obviously had in his head already, I want to do a dino flick. And then just like put all his (laughs) chips on the table. I was going to buy all the dino books that are around in the late 90s, uh, late 80s. (laughs) But but it, it it still inherently feels like a very... I think I think now that the thing is because I, I do like to watch pr- pretty much every kids film that comes out. That's still that's still where my head's at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I have a career, I have a life, I have friends. All of these, you know, I've ticked yeah, I've ticked some of the other boxes, so I feel comfortable enough to in my spare time indulge in Boss Baby and other works. Um, and I'm I feel you. like <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like the the kids films nowadays have such a polish to them and they understand a narrative thread in terms of we go up here then we go down and then we do this to the extent where they're almost boring yeah. <laughs> because because they're so sort of you know play by the rules these kind of kids films of the 80s options from a book or not we're back. A dinosaur story has that same yeah. wild sort of throw anything at the screen. Let's go. Let's see what <laughs> sticks. Let's go. Let's let's add in this thing about new eyes and screw eyes. I guess <laughs> like it's just it's so wild. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it was a wild time. I think dinosaurs mm-hmm. or no, um, every kids film from around then just seemed to have no rules. No rules. I, that is Fully kind agreed. of like the development period of animated movies now is like very very long and it's very the reason why they have such like tight storylines is because there's so much put into the story whereas i think at this step because it's there's a few digital shots but a lot of it is just like hand-drawn inked animation it's like we need to start drawing these dinosaurs like now so you're (laughs) writing the script alongside us drawing this bad boy (laughs) so that's why it feels so chaotic tremendous strain on the animator's wrists (laughs) <laughs> but it is, this is a weird parallel development because whilst this was being pursued by Universal a, a, a couple of the arguable forebearers of the current state of animation were also pursuing it right well, that, what is that the John Musker and yeah, Ron Clements, Musker and Clements uh, who Disney, essentially yeah, who kickstarted just done the Little Renaissance Mermaid. Yeah. they were quite keen on it <laughs> but it's funny to think like, cause imagine what would have happened to there because they followed up Little Mermaid with Aladdin, right? Aladdin? Yeah, which really sort of cemented the Disney Renaissance, which is what led to sort of the Disneyfication of all animation now, really. But imagine if they'd have made this. Imagine imagine what Mm. it would have done to them, what it would have done for this. 
they very much described it as their take as a kind of Snow White and the Seven Dinosaurs was kind of going to be their <laughs> their approach. Like, oh, I can see working. <laughs> I, it, it feels like the idea of adding in sort of two. And again, in the synopsis, I don't know that we covered it um, because of the internet outage on my side. They end the film in a sort of post-credits mention. Oh, these two kids that you've been following out the film, they made up with their parents. They're back with yes, them now. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, <laughs> these two plucky, these plucky <laughs> orphan-style heroes that you're following, it's like, oh, no, they got parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. went back. No, no that's the bit when <laughs> Cecilia Nuthatch is like, my parents are never around, and there's that heartbreaking picture of her all alone at the table at, like, the family picnic. And then, Who took that? Who like, framed kid- it? I know who sent put her centre frame, but then he goes like, "Oh, my parents are always around, always paying attention yeah. to me, always loving oh, me, sorry they love kisses you. on me <laughs> But continue. Yes, it's a, it's a very, it's a very sort of like again, it feels like a chaotic '80s decision to mm. be sort of like we need two young plucky kids to be very horny. With each other, but but, but also reason. to be to be like to be like orphans, but we don't want them to actually be orphans. No, that's a bum so out. Let's just don't pretend. Let's pretend they're orphans throughout the entire <laughs> film, and then at the end, go. Oh, by the way, they're, they're back with their parents. It's fine. It's boe, big <laughs> big orphan energy. That's what it is. <laughs> big orphan energy, big orphan energy throughout the Boom. film. Yeah, and I I do think a lot of that weirdness comes from the fact that, like you said, Jack, this is written by John Patrick Shanley, who. Ramblin', <laughs> Ramblin' fans will know um, it's the filmmaker who made Joe versus Volcano for Ramblin' in 1990, which is this like bizarre, idiosyncratic, quite wonderful, like just weird odyssey of a man dealing with a crisis. But like, not the guy you think like I'm going to tap this guy to pad out this 20 page children's story. Uh, I was going to say Moon Moonstruck, like that's a balmy script like that's yeah some absolutely crazy things in that movie and things which feel so random and and unrelated but ultimately there is a thread to that movie and it does follow a kind of rom-com structure whereas it's just like all of that without the structure yeah <laughs> well the, the some of the dialogue itself is very um very stilted. It mm-hmm. feels very kind of like it would have been a struggle for the actors to do the the opening scene with uh, Rex the dinosaur when he's playing golf and the bird. Again, it sounds strange to have the words in my mouth even <laughs> when when Rex the dinosaur is playing golf and the bird comes down <laughs> and um, the the baby bird says to Rex the dinosaur at the very beginning, "I'm just going to run away and join the circus," and. Rex says the yeah, circus. Now, now that's a notion with some spice. <laughs> and so, like that's, I don't think that's a phrase. I don't, I don't, I don't think that means. Well, now that's a notion with some spice. Weirdly enough, um, Phil Nibelink, who's one of the four credited directors on this movie, he he's spoken about um, when they got the actors into the recording booths because he he had worked on an initial draft of the script and storyboarding with one of the other directors, Simon Wells, who largely went off of this project to focus on Balto and the failed um, animated adaptation of Cats that Amblimation were also working on at this time. (laughs) Did not know about... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can can email me after. I did not know about this. 
it's wild. They were going to do live action sets and animated characters, like miniature sets All right. of animated what was, characters. Um, it's wild. What was the film we did in which they called their own shot by including a cat? I was uh, noises off, wasn't it? There was a, a host of a cat yeah. in the background. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Nibelink um, was the main director of the four, really, who kind of car- carried this and who had also... So this was another thing at Amblimation at this time. The directors that they had here, so Phil Nibelink and Simon Wells, who had previously previously done Five or Goes West, and then the brothers Phil Phil and Ralph Zondag are all credited on this movie, despite the fact they never all four worked on it at the same time together. Because the setup at Amblimation was, if you're working on one, you're also working on the other three that we've got in development. So as Five was in production they were already doing storyboards and we're back and already writing the script for Balto and also doing animation tests on cats so there's all all four of them are going on and these four guys but weirdly it feels like that mm. yeah. way of work yes. comes yeah, through very totally. strongly in <laughs> <laughs> back a dinosaur story. Yeah. when i read that yeah <laughs> so yes yes largely for the most part they just kind of had to run on what spielberg wanted based on his notes and he was a big fan of shanley's screenplay and Nibbling wasn't. So what he would do with the actors in the recording booth was he would get them to rewrite the lines themselves and have a go at because even the actors were complaining about like, oh, this feels a bit stilted. This feels a bit awkward to say. I don't. It doesn't feel natural to say it. So Nibbling was like, do it as it said, as, as it's written, and do it again, and we'll work with both. And Shanley apparently got so angry when he heard that they had done this. He said he would. He would remove his name from the film if they didn't include <laughs> his original record, like the, his original writing as the recordings of the dialogue. <laughs> what, the circus is a notion with some spice. <laughs> he really needed that sort of thing in there. Interesting. He, he, uh, he got his Academy Award out. He got, he got, yeah, exactly. Slam that down. Um, but, I mean, if, if you're a fan of that line, Lucy, you should watch his most recent film, Wild Mountain Time, <laughs> which is a back-to-back... Ah. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I have to admit the the closest I get to the world of film beyond my three VHSs is um, and Boss Baby is through the Flophouse podcast, which they covered. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wild Mountain yes. Time, and and yes, it, that's uh, that sounds about the right level of dinosaur. Uh, we're back a dinosaur story. Yeah, similar, similar vibe. It is, it's a tremendous shame yeah. to have the twist of Wild, Wild Mountain Time ruined for you because watching it. Blinds. I think. Did we both watch it without knowing? Jack? We both watched you know? it blinds. Yeah, yeah it's really it staggering that what is all. And we won't. I think we have spoken about this with Ali on the Joe versus a volcano episode. But in case you haven't heard that, listeners, we'll not mention it now. Go watch Wild Mountain Time and then come back and let us know what you think. Because wow. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and even to the point of like we've mentioned even like the casting is so strange. A lot of that came from the fact that Nibelink just did impressions of Walter Cronkite and Julia <laughs> Child in the animatics of the movie. And Spielberg just went, oh yeah, just hire them. Hire them, they're not actors. Yeah. <laughs> Spielberg was just like, that's yeah, just a, say what we're doing. <laughs> that's a, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a wild way to cast your <laughs> film, to be honest. Being like, yeah. oh, I love that imp- What's that impression that you do? Oh, can we Charles. get that real person? <laughs> yeah. yeah, can we get them actually? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and to kind of to even speak to more of the kind of how we get what we do get of this 70 minute movie. Um, 
Nibblink and Wells kind of go away from the project as it's on its way. There's a good chunk of the movie done. There are Wells is largely focusing on Balto. Nibblink is going back and forth on um, attempts to figure out cats, and the Zondag brothers very much take it over. And it gets to a point where um, they do a test screening for all the execs at Universal and Spielberg and Amblin and all, all the big wigs basically. And um, it it tests poorly, and everyone everyone like is quite adamant of like this is unreleasable in the way that it is. So Spielberg, by the order of uh, his uh, old mentor Sid Sheinberg, who was CEO of uh, uh, Universal Pictures at this time, um, orders a million pounds worth of changes to the film to be re- retooled, which pushes the release back from what I think was initially a Christmas '92 release. It pushes it back a whole year. So and... sorry, sorry to interrupt. This mm. this is the film. After a million pounds worth of changes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and My most God, of that, I, I would um, love to see. I'd love the, to see that first uh, cut. Yeah. <laughs> and how long must it have been, given what they added as well? Mm. Yeah, they add the whole Thanksgiving parade sequence, which is mind-boggling to me because that's is one of the only sequences that is actually also in the children's story. <laughs> I've got a theory about that scene because I noticed it's got Spider-Man in it. And I think yeah. if you put Spider-Man in it, kids are probably going to hang on for another 15 or 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> okay. okay. Very clever. <laughs> Didn't think well, I, like I have to admit, the the um, the one musical number that, that is in that scene, Roll Back the Rock. Oh, yes. Um, I have obviously now added that to my running. Yeah. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm expecting great results. Follow me on Strava, uh, everyone. Um, Lucy Ogilvie, you're, you're going to see some changes uh, starting very soon. It, it, well, it is, is funny that performing oh, that song and dance number is what the kids go, oh, they are real dinosaurs. <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. they dance this rockabilly number. And yeah. the parents... Oh, they're singing. The, the parents <laughs> they're watch... singing. Ah. These, the parents watch these talking dinosaurs perform a live song and dance routine. And then when the kids say, they're real dinosaurs, that's when the parents freak out. Not when they see the yeah. actual dinosaurs perform a real life but song But even before that, they, even before that, stink. the dinosaurs, <laughs> they're coming down the road and all the kids are going... Look, dinosaurs, dinosaurs, and their parents go, they're not dinosaurs, they're robots. Like, this is the <laughs> coldness of New York parents. The entire film is, a, is the actually the entire film is a film about bad parenting. Yeah. Mm. Like, no, it's not about dinosaurs, it's about bad parenting. Like, Louis and Celia sign a contract. With no, with no prompting <laughs> yes. and no with need blood. to do so. <laughs> with their own blood. And it's kind of like, with a little bit of good parenting, a little bit of attention, the first thing mm. you see to your child, your three-year-old, is if an old man at a circus asks you to sign a contract in blood, what do we do? We say no. That's parenting 101. To the other side of this, I would argue that this film is actually about good parents and dirtbag children. Because the <laughs> mum bird at the beginning is a very, very good mother and she's the one looking after it. And their dad, sure, the dad is a bit of a, you know, lets the kids muck around with the world. The mum is no very, fight. very... Sorry, sorry. And then we hear, you know, the kids... The uh, Please remind me of what the boy's name is. I should know. Louis. Louis, Louis. Who's, whose oh, mother I thought, I thought actually I agree with you. 
whose mother's whose Louis Louis whose mother's only crime is loving him too much. Exactly, exactly. And sure, the nut hatches, whatever. But like, she is pretty set up in there. Maybe look, maybe she is capital rich but emotionally poor. That's Mm. not, you know, that's 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 true. It's it's ultimately it's ultimately Buster the Birds. St- I'm I'm here, Buster the Bird yeah, story. No, it's true. <laughs> with, with some with some dinosaur stuff in the middle of it that doesn't make much yes. sense. I'm here. <laughs> I think after this, I'll edit the Wikipedia description to include the Buster the Bird segments. Oh, absolutely. A bit, a, bit a disgrace. Of Please, it's a real oversight. It's 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 interesting actually with with the the John um, is it John Patrick Stanley? Stanley? Yeah. Again, I Shanley. No, actually, I did think I did better than you. Uh, if if the let the record show, mm-hmm. um, but it's interesting that that note about the dialogue being quite stiff and then mm. having to re-record it. I I definitely felt with them, um, obviously again rewatching as an adult. Mm. Louis's scene where he is, <laughs> and this deserves a whole conversation in itself. He is petitioning to the now wild Rex mm. to oh, God um, not bad. have not have to be a tough guy. And to kind of like come back, and it's okay to be soft and stuff. You're the original. He uses tough lines guy. like, "Yeah, don't don't be a stiff Rex," <laughs> and weird weird lines that I don't think an eleven year old boy. In hey, any... he's growing up in the streets in New York. Don't be a stiff Rex. <laughs> um, don't be a so stiff. like the, the the dialogue is very very stilted mm-hmm. throughout, which doesn't help it, but. But now that I've sort of managed to drag us here, can we talk about the scene where Rex has been fed sort of brain drain mm, by mm-hmm. the old Dr. Screw Eyes? In fact, all the dinosaurs have. Yeah. And in the tumultuous sort of like ending sequence where the dinosaurs are attacking Screw Eyes, everything's falling into carnage, Louis, the little boy, manages to bring back Rex, not with brain game the thing we've been told is the sort of antidote to brain yep. drain but with the power with the power of love with love um, power of love yeah. <laughs> does this how does this how does this sit with you the it's idea like, yeah. that he can bring back dinosaurs it's like when uh, pikachu cries in pokemon the first movie and the tear is what uh, kickstarts ash's return to life after he dies or whatever yes everyone's yeah. just always cribbing from somebody but it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's just it's a very that that in itself is a very um you, it's a you, cut you see, ending, you see isn't it, it well you you see a lot in like in these kind of more modern animated kids orientated films you see the idea of sort of like love can save us mm. all all that mm-hmm. kind of thing but here, very clumsy. Yeah. Very, oh, because, because they yeah. fine again. <laughs> no, but they've, they've set up the idea that science, i.e. brain game, <laughs> yes. cereal is a thing that gives you intelligence. Brain drain reverses that. But turns out all dinosaurs, and in fact anything yeah. who <laughs> you'd like to make more intelligent, only needs a child's love. Yeah. Yeah, to become love smarter. can cure the primal. And what I love <laughs> is like the hat on that sequence is the bit when New Eyes says to his brother, "Will you change your ways and come with me?" And then Screw Eyes goes, "Never." And then New Eyes goes, "Then <laughs> no. we must how, go." It's how I want to leave. He just flies away. I want to end. I want to end every conversation, every room I leave from now on will be turning someone going, "Will you change your ways and come with me?" <laughs> 
But you think, like, because <laughs> after the message that we effort. just had with Louis and, and Rex, you think, okay, so Screw Eyes is going to see the light and go with them. But then he shouts, never. And New Eyes is like, okay, fine, we're just going to go then. And then they go, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite weird, like, looking, even like, don't know how much of you guys read into the casting of his particular role because this is one that where a lot of different people tell a lot of different stories about <laughs> but john malkovich was originally cast as um no. um but um nibbling says that um spielberg deemed the recording too frightening and that's why they didn't use it but um apparently if interviewers bring this film up with malkovich it's a real it's a real sore spot oh my and seriously he, so he, he rarely will agree to talk about it so there's like only like little snippets here and there and there's w- one interview from 2003 where he makes a brief allusion to the movie saying can i do a malkovich impression God, i was thinking good about ideas this. go to die in hollywood <laughs> walking actually but i worked in stuff. an an I worked on an animated movie about dinosaurs in New York once. It was completely bureau- bu- eh, bureaucratized. <laughs> Famously how he says that word. something that had art yeah. in it and put it in the laps of people that only cared about the bottom line. And look what happened. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He took something that had art, art in, in it. it. <laughs> and put it in the okay. laps of people that only cared about the bottom line. I'm very interested to see Malkovich's version now yeah. because there is actually there is a hint towards art being in it in that um let me see if I can find the uh the oh right so screw eyes when he is sort of like d d, d brain gate he's he's brain drained the di- this is a nightmare he's brain drained the dinosaurs um, and he sort of then hypnotizes Rex to kind of follow him and stuff in 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 his circus. His speech, his speech is so you see the creature who scares you all does what I say. Yeah, I am the master of fear, and I am not afraid. That line does speak to me of like almost a Joker style backstory. I think his character so- <laughs> is fascinating. The little glimpses you get, it's what. <laughs> So Malkovich with that, yeah. you know, that's going to be poetry. And it's even just like right at the end where like you're kind of joking that like his brother says to him, and it's like, will you come with me? Will you change your ways and come with me? And then he says, no. <laughs> but then he has like that really remorseful mm. note. And then the crows take him away because he let himself get scared and open again. Because <laughs> he announces, yeah. Like, this is my fear is being alone, isn't it? That's what yeah. he announces as his own fear. Yeah, it's pretty. Um... Well, the, the the crows the crows surround him in this sort of like I am alone. Yeah, and the crows when surround him. I have no one him, to scare. And... I get very frightened they... myself. <laughs> Excellent, but they leave his screw mm. behind. I know. They take his they take his mortal body, but leave his screw, which makes me. Which obviously you'd think. I don't know if this sets us up for a part two, guys, because you know it is the screw itself the evil thing. It, it sort of it op- it opens up a lot of questions. <laughs> Why Maybe, won't yes. somebody yes. just call me Ken again? <laughs> Maybe they take him away to Kenneth, get new eyes. Kenneth New Eyes. Yes, it's cyclical. It's cyclical, actually. Yeah, I I, I think that the the thing which gets me about this film is that. It opens so many doors, mm. 
but doesn't invite you to go. <laughs> no, to yeah. no. So you're then, so you're you're then you're then left inside a room with about twelve doors open, and you're you're going. I'd love to go through one of these, but um, I don't feel like I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, gets a bit drafty. It's, it's as a well. very interesting screenplay. I I do find it fascinating that this is another dinosaur film in 1993 from Steven Spielberg that kind of ends up being like the complete like opposite ends of the kind of dino mania of the early nineties. Uh, Cause they were like a lot of the marketing around this is all about like making it, pushing it as the Steven Spielberg family friendly dinosaur movie this year. <laughs> and then, and like just to even kind of like <laughs> one thing that did make me laugh was, um, in a lot of the marketing campaign for this so it was a big old marketing push video games toys mm. happy meals you name it but um yeah <laughs> there's one for the snes i think <laughs> they, yeah they they reskinned the game boy game baby t-rex as well to, uh, oh, to be a <laughs> lads, <laughs> but one of the my favorite bits i found a trivia for this is um reading about they so they commissioned a balloon of rex the the actual <laughs> Macy's parade on Thanksgiving, um, but, um, but um, during the parade, it got hooked on a, a power cable, <laughs> and high winds caused it to shoot up, <laughs> and its head exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of the body Correct. was fine, Correct. so they just kept yeah. the parade going with this headless dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of feels. It was a street. It kind of feels like true to the. It's true to the spirit of the yeah. film. Oh, it really it, is. It, <laughs> yeah. And to like make matters worse, it came out on that Thanksgiving weekend in '93. On the same uh, weekend, that massive snowstorms covered a lot of like a lot of cinema going America. <laughs> so, so, and despite the fact it was already opening up against um, Mrs. Doubtfire that weekend, it gro- no, <laughs> it gro- I didn't realize that was the competition. Yeah, it grossed. Oh. It grossed only. Uh, where is it? Where's the exact number? Because it's not good. It grossed only four point six million dollars in its first week. Um. I could not find a reported budget at all. Judging by how much Fivel costs, which looks a little bit more expensive than this, and that that cost um, twenty million. I'm going to say this cost about sixteen. Yeah, <laughs> we have a million dollar reshoots or <laughs> redos. Um, oh my goodness! And that it would only go on to gross a total of nine point. Three million domestically, yeah, in its entire run, and that uh, weak performance meant that its planned cinema release in other territories, including the UK, was cancelled, and it went straight to video in every other territory. Is, is this our first <laughs> straight to video UK Amblin release? Andy? I think it. Might. I think so. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, I I know the, UK. I the problem is I I know where one of those <laughs> <laughs> ended up. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> Now, sort of knowing knowing the backstory, it makes the whole thing a bit more tragic. Really. Hey, that was an exciting release. I bet everyone's like, oh, "But we just saw that trailer in the cinema." <laughs> no, but it, it it makes me it makes me wish that I'd sort of held the I'd sort of you know because I had a little like doll's crib when I was younger where I'd sort of put soft toy animals to bed. I wish I'd 
taken this VHS and just gone, oh, you poor sweet thing. <laughs> poor and, sort of just, and sort of just given it, finally, finally given it some kind of kindness, shown it some kindness <laughs> in the world. I wish, I wish I'd been a bit kinder to it, uh, knowing all this. <laughs> Monsters? You! Us? Us! With a little help? Yes! What's that? It's Brain Drain! The remedy to my brother's goody two-shoes breakfast cereal. It'll take you back. It'll make you monsters. But we don't want to be monsters. <clears throat> We're not taking anything. You can forget it. All right, you're free. You can go. I can't stop you. But the kids are mine. Well, the, the the weird the weird thing is, is that I mean, uh, most of my childhood was based around direct to VHS release mm-hmm. things, and and uh, the the magic is that kids don't know the difference. Yeah. like I I, gen- I genuinely thought I was getting top rate top rate quality material. Turns out I was getting the dregs. <laughs> the amount of times as a kid I watched and rewatched Casper a Spirited Beginning completely attests to that. Yes! <laughs> I remember between. that movie, Casper Meets yeah. Wendy as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes! And I think it does kind of speak to why, because like, looking at like, even kind of um, oral histories of this and the way the mm. directors talk about it, it's one that they like, out of the, say the, free amblimation movies that get made before it goes under because like the box office performance of this movie put a lot of pressure on balto to perform well because this was was a big old big old flop but um this is one that they apparently get like asked about the most and like told that like oh i really loved that movie when i was growing up and i imagine like particularly for our generation it is because it's one that like got to video quite quickly and just ended up in circulation mm. in that boom of home entertainment so it doesn't surprise me that it is one that's got like quite a warm cult following behind it definitely and i i, I can attest to the fact that even though the numbers you know, these numbers <laughs> they 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 may say the film failed for me a little girl <laughs> A lonely girl watching this VHS once a month. Um, for, for two for, years. For, for two years. I mean, I I would say that you know, this film was not a failure. This film was, in fact, you know, a fundamentally a success. Yeah. Um, having rewatched it as an adult, can I add a caveat to that? Of course, of course. It's not. But <laughs> I would say, I would say, from the emotional perspective of mm. a child, this this film still rocks. Mm. It it rocks it back to the what's it called? Roll it. Roll, it roll it roll rolls it. it back to the. Yeah. Roll, <laughs> rolls it. I'm going to get the lyrics out there. <laughs> it is. It is one one thing that did did slightly concern me again watching it as an adult is is the fact that like the wish radio and the fear radio mm. wonderful concepts. Only seem to tune into children. Yes, true. Um, yeah, and these are these are quite elderly gentlemen, yeah. both both yeah. good and evil protagonists. And uh, again, seems very eighties to me. To everyone to be kind of like, oh, that's fun. Yeah. 
that's fine. Child that, snatcher. That, even, right. that even plays into the happy resolution when <laughs> when uh, is it is exactly. it bleep bleep the uh, Julia Child character bleep. When when Bleeb says um, when they have the dinosaur exhibition at the the history museum, uh, the adults will wait outside as you reveal your secrets to the children, which doesn't seem doesn't <laughs> seem okay. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of like adults aren't there and that's the way you yeah. like it sort of, um, vibe to it. But again, it's it's a beautiful, joyous. Yeah. 80s cacophony of mixed messages and terrible terrible signals (laughs) to children um i i I did have a question for you actually um so so obviously screw eyes has this fear what's it called the fear radio Mm, fear radio um which calls upon the fears uh, and that's what he bases his circus acts on Mm -hmm. what would you hate to see in the fear circus emerge in that glorious opening act of the fear circus is there a particular animal or a particular uh, hmm um it's a very mine, good question mine to help set the tone would would probably be um would probably just be anything to do with numbers <laughs> yeah so it it would it would have to be anyone sort of coming out dressed as numbers um maybe someone just coming and saying in my face what's two plus seven um just anything any kind of like demon that yeah. was doing a numbers doing based, a number uh, sort of routine yeah. is there a particular number that scares yes. you aesthetically <laughs> or is um, it just a concept aesthetically of... that's a very interesting mm. question i feel like maybe a whole <laughs> podcast series about what numbers, numbers do the you numbers, like the numbers that scare, <laughs> like seven, seven, the numbers that scare radio. me or me or the guests that come on the, the podcast the number seven is quite what, scary because the number seven has got a really sharp edge i feel like the or a sharp corner rather oh yeah you could you could murder someone <laughs> it's like a knife with a, with a with a seven you could murder someone with yeah. a seven i know but but then you'd impale them on the four so like well, it depends what kind of threatening. four because people draw do fours differently. Is it like a pitchfork four? It's is true. it a, is uh, it has it got a, a slanty line across the top? I think mine is an yes, unprompted is phone terrible. call for similar reasons. Just just untold <laughs> nausea is is invoked. So, are are you are you all right? Are, are you all right if kind of like. Oh, I need to book a doctor's appointment. Are you all right because you? Oh, totally fine. To be like, if, my name if is. I can go my into, name is Josh. I have a bad if, knee. If I, <laughs> like, right if I go into a yeah. meeting having prepared or whatever, totally fine because I know what. I, good I, to go. Yeah, it's my my own bands. But if I have to go into something, I don't know the con the context or I can't orientate myself. It's very it's very scary for me. So that's why I hate. I mean, I I find phone calls, so no one calls. the best. The best thing to do, the best thing to do, is literally to say, "I don't have the context for this, and I can't orientate myself." But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just be straight up. Coming clean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also yeah. terrified of exposing myself. <laughs> no, I'm like, delete all this. All right. All this. <laughs> okay. Um, Andy, what's what's what would you hate to see emerge at the um, uh, at the at the circus? <laughs> the big old pile circus. of gluten. <laughs> <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> it's an amalgamous blob. <laughs> I imagine it'd look a lot like Rex, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
weirdly though, apart from in the synopsis, I don't think we've mentioned my far and away favourite character. And uh, and this is this is the character who was introduced as uh, formerly a legitimate psychopath, and that is Stubbs the Clown, voiced by Martin Short. <laughs> yes, a uh, whole a whole he's, section. He's just on doing, he's just doing oh, um, a Robin Williams in Aladdin thing, isn't he? He's just sort of just take the mic, Martin, do your thing. Well, funnily enough, I've got quite a funny story about that. Oh, <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> Because um, there was a point where uh, Martin Martin Short was kind of they scheduled in in to come back and do some uh, retouches and touch up some of the um, recordings he had done, and um, Phil Phil Nibbling, Nibbling the director went to go with him to New York to do it, and whilst they were doing it, Martin Short just went, uh, "Why are we touching these up? They seem fine to me." And Nibbling was, "Well, we." Spielberg's people told us that you were unhappy with your performance and that you wanted to do touch-ups. And then he says, no, I didn't say that. I think my performance was fine. <laughs> oh, we think your performance was fine too. So then there was just a long pause while the two of these men just stood in the recording booth just going, does Steven Spielberg hate me? <laughs> 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 Uh, what a way! What a way to kind of dump yourself in. Yeah. And sort of, so I think know, they... pretending that it wasn't coming from you. Yeah, I could get. I could, I could leave Stubbsy. I could leave Stubbsy to be honest. Those, but honestly, honestly, are you those kidding kids me? Are cracking up when they first see Stubbs, they are cracking up. They are. Oh, I, I quite like that. So am. Good routine. He good is... routine. No, you are. You are dead. You you are dead to the world, Buckley. Mm. He. I like it his routine. It's very funny. Yes, thank you, thank you. Very, very so funny. Good. Very funny. And that very bit funny when he's stuff. like, when he, when he's, as his pockets emptied, and he's like listing all the things that have been taken out, it is just that's just comedy. Well, he he does he do, well exactly. He actually says kind of when he's quitting his job for in sort of screw eyes, being kind of like, and you can take this, back, yeah. and this, and this, and, and then he says I mean, kind yeah. of like, and do you know, do you know why the audience were laughing? Because that's comedy. Yeah. yeah, well... But, like, oh. the thing is, only, he wasn't... He wasn't... Screw Eyes wasn't looking for mm. comedy. That's like my boss asking me to a, to do an Excel spreadsheet and me screaming, that's gardening! <laughs> like, it wasn't It wasn't what he was asking for. So it's kind of like, it doesn't matter your amazing exit. Because, yeah. like, he didn't need to see yeah. that. But we did. <laughs> when, honest to God, this movie needed it. As far as that... It does feel it, like it, a padding out character, I must say. <laughs> Oh well. Stubbs was Stubbs was excellent. Stubbs was an excellent clown, and I would recommend if anyone wants to kind of watch this film, don't just watch, watch um, the kind of Stubbs. Watch the Stubbs supercut <laughs> because that you know he's giving it his all in the performance. Yeah. It's brilliantly animated. Uh, yeah, that that's a real moment of actual good cinematic Sublime. enjoyment. Sublime Stubbs. Wonder what recording they ended up going with in the end. <laughs> 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 So, Andy and Jack, are there any are there any characters that you feel particularly drawn towards? I instantly have an answer to this. I like the carnival punks. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who immediately start picking on these kids, who are immediately hostile as they are these to. customers, <laughs> these customers who have turned up at this this horrible horrible circus. One of them's got a big mohawk. One of them's 
I remember being quite foxy, actually. <laughs> uh, but then uh, they, they just immediately intimidate these children. Um, and I just, it's just an energy that I love. Like, and Louis said, I'm going to give you a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's just this idea of like, go away, kids. The circus isn't a place for you. <laughs> that goes against everything I know. <laughs> they, they, are, they are annoying, they are these two kids. Com- they are annoying. The circus, like, like the, the per- perfectly reasonable. The circus is closed for the day. Yeah. Not only do they interrupt these people leaving the circus, these lovely punks, these wonderful sexy punks, um, but then they go into the kind of circus tent. Screw Eyes quite reasonably says the circus is closed for the day. Please leave. They enter the circus. Yeah, they had an opening to go. <laughs> <into the tent. laughs> no blood yeah. contract need yeah, to be yeah. signed. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's. I, I feel. I mean, I I completely resonated with the circus with the sexy circus plant. I didn't resonate with them. That's a weird choice. <laughs> that's on my part. <laughs> but I, I I picked up on them a little yeah. bit more than I think I, I, I clocked them. I clocked them. <laughs> I clocked them. I clocked them. I clocked them. I clocked the sexy circus plant. Andy, who was your MVP? And I also think it's Skurai's because I was just because oh. <laughs> the film does take that sudden turn where it is just quite it is all cobbled together and then it's suddenly like I think this like you said earlier, Lucy. I think this is the closest part that you can get to where Malkovich is talking about something even remotely artful is kind of going on is where it gets into this weird kind of fear circus. <laughs> and I was really blown away by when I was watching it this time when the crows take them away at the end. I just, <laughs> I just kind of went, oh. <laughs> it's always like those crows have made a political decision in that moment. Yeah. Right, he's the baddie, let's go. So where's he gone? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. that there's There's so much potential for rich lore throughout the film that I almost wish that it was slightly bigger so that the fanfic had got a hold of it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I wish I wish that fanfic had sort of brought this into their bosom and just absolutely destroyed. Just gone it to town on where where dinosaurs. All sorts of all sorts of filthy machinations. Yeah. I it, I'd I'd love because I mean I, I'm I'm wondering like the, why did New Eyes pick this museum curator? Like, did they have a thing? I mean, they're a similar age. You know, there, there's so many kind of questions that I have around the Again. law that I'd I'd love it to be building. <laughs> I, I can fill in a based on the book because there's no there's no New Eyes in the book. It's uh, aliens that abduct the dinosaurs and then oh. they send send the dinosaurs to their real world human contact on Earth. And but like. They don't time travel. That's just the time it takes to get there. Because <laughs> <laughs> they go back up and then they come back down. <laughs> why, why do the aliens do that? She's their human oh, contact. So What's the alien? Because they're just like, oh, to let kids learn about dinosaurs. That's cool. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Are they aware of like, like global warming and stuff? Not to in my terms knowledge. Of like the, with, with that, with that te- no, but just uh, with with that technology. Oh, I, I feel like <laughs> to, to educate kids about no, dinosaurs. We're just gonna go get some dinosaurs, bring them forward sixty-five million years, and destroy the, <laughs> right. the ecosystem. <laughs> I, f- I feel with with those sort of resources to hand, there's there's probably quite a few crises that they could have headed off at the yeah. pass. 
Um, All right, alien. It's the same thing with near eyes. New eyes. I said, I said near eyes. Near eyes. That's the, that's the cousin. <laughs> the cousin. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's near I love eyes. that scene of the aliens coming. All right, aliens. few questions. Who's going to feed these dinosaurs? Hmm? Who's going to look after them? Right. Us. Muggins here. Right. Bloody hell. Muggins at the Natural History Museum. Yeah. <laughs> Me, Dr. Bleeb. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Bleeb is 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 as again like she she would be the character I perhaps um, warm to the, the most. Mm. She's not on screen a lot, but this idea of a elderly woman who seemingly is running the Natural History Museum yeah. of New York by herself, yeah. Yeah. even the PR, including, including <laughs> the, pub, the publicity, any any marketing publicity sort of housekeeping is just one elderly woman. I mean, that's the story. Yeah. That's the film. That's the movie. Because <laughs> Julia Child is in her early 80s for this. She's a... Uh, oh, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah. She's quite weary. <laughs> <laughs> And Linda, uh, Julia Child is basically like um, Martha Stewart before mm, Martha Stewart, yeah. right? As in a kind of like household. I would, group, yeah. I hope there's a, a Nora Ephron deleted scene of Meryl Streep performing Julia Child recording the voice acting of this film from <laughs> Julia and Julia. Just... <laughs> <laughs> a significant moment in Julia Child's life, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I mean, one one thing that is interesting that this is obviously. I think is this pre Bechdel mm-hmm. test? Uh, quite, yeah, yeah, quite a way. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so <laughs> it is. It is definitely interesting that the pterodactyl, female dinosaur, very horny. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the Cecilia, uh, the child, the child yeah, human, very yeah, horny. Very horny. Um, the child. The only human. woman <laughs> who has the only the only the only sort of female character in it that isn't exceptionally horny. And sort of has her own business is is the museum mm. curator. Yeah. I think that's why I sort of you know I, I warmed her immediately as sort of a you know maybe a sim a symbol of what's to come in terms of sort of female female led characters. <laughs> uh, yeah. I wonder if anyone's talked about Doctor Bleed from way back at the dinosaur story in those terms before. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a first. It's a first, I'm sure. So you, you've now got. I imagine the scoop. we've crossed you've off a lot of firsts here. <laughs> <laughs> Looking through my notes again, and it's very hard in the spirit of this film to distinguish whether I have anything else I want to say about it. I think that kind of does me. Yeah, are there any closing remarks that you have for "We're Back" a dinosaur story, guys? Because like. It is a mad concoction of a film, mm. and like we could, we could keep going for twice the movie's length. Granted, we, we almost that's not a very long will. time. <laughs> <laughs> this, this it strikes me as basically what you get when you set a set an egg timer on a film, and when you're like, okay, we want to release this at this date, uh, go, and don't really have people who love the material, who understand the the audience who will really brief or even has the courage to go, uh, I don't think this book is really going to give us a one hour, a 90 yeah. minute uh, family feature film. Uh, it feels like, I won't say they did 
the best job with what they had, <laughs> but it definitely feels like it doesn't feel like a film where anyone was lazy. It doesn't feel like a film where anyone kind of like cut corners or anything like that. It feels like with the the kind of um the resources that they had, the time that they had, that this is what happened. And it's just like this <laughs> shouldn't have been a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no business being a movie. That's uh, yeah. That that's very fair. I think I think my closing remarks would be almost a bomb <laughs> to that <laughs> abso- to that absolutely correct and scathing uh, review. Would be that it's almost an indication to me that that I saw no flaws in this film uh, when I was little, uh, to the extent of it being my favourite my favorite film it just goes to show that even when the love isn't there the direction is completely wrong the story is nonsensical (laughs) the characters mean nothing and say things that mean nothing (laughs) that somewhere out there that film is being received by a child (laughs) as the greatest story (laughs) ever told (laughs) (laughs) I, I think so, that's a really uh, I nice... I wish I'd watched it as a kid. Yeah, now. me too. <laughs> yeah. But were that. there... Josh, Josh and Andy, were there any films to you guys which, now looking back with adult eyes, you kind of recognise as, that's just a bad, bad film. But uh, it's kind of hard for you to separate your your childish attachment. Something you enjoyed when mm. you were child. I mean, the obvious one is always Space Jam. Like, if you mm. watch Space Jam as an adult, you're like, oh, this just misses the mark in so many ways. <laughs> oh, this even... is made by a corporation. This is a world that Andy and I come to quite often, isn't it? In, in these conversations with different people. And there are quite a few examples. A particularly painful one for me yeah. was... Um, one of the, the the stranger ones that my parents exposed me to as a kid was Crocodile Dundee, which is not a film that anyone really <laughs> yes. has an awful lot of, Lucy apparently, an awful lot of fondness for. And then we watched, we, we tried to watch that again a few years back. We had, you were around, weren't you? And, and a few others. And we tried to watch it. I was like, guys, yeah. this is a great movie. It was rough. And we watched it. It was pretty rough. Just like very much more, uh, you know, in these enlightened days, much more aggressive than one might hope for. But, it yeah. strikes me as the kind of film which might uh, <laughs> might have a lot of jokes based on uh, lifestyle choices. Mm. And, oh, uh, you would be yeah. correct in thinking that, my friend. Yeah, yeah. But another one, um, my sister and I, I mean, much like you and I, Jack, started a sort of shit film club during lockdown. My sister and I started a kind of nostalgic film club over Zoom in lockdown. And one of the ones that we hold as um, the gold standard is a film that we've watched a lot as kids and which... It's really hard for me to say with any degree of certainty the quality of the film removed from my opinions is the Keenan and Kel movie, Good Burger, which I will argue uh. <laughs> to a red in the face is is a, is a good film. But I can't say that with any degree of authority. Film. I just I watched it so often as a kid mm-hmm. and it's just nice to be back, you know, to be back there. It is a great film. I think it, I it, think is, it, it might be, Lucy. Yeah. I think it, it has some be. very good <laughs> It has some very good bits in it, yeah. But there's just, yeah, I don't know. There's something about revisiting these films that you might know are questionable with, with in inverted commas, adult eyes. Mm-hmm. It just takes you back to a mindset and a state of being that was much more simple and there's, there's value in that. It's nice to be taken back to this primordial state, I think. Exactly. It's it's the times when you didn't view films with a 
political lens or any kind of like commercial yeah. production lens. It was like, yeah. oh, a story for just for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm very curious to know what Andy's is on that regard. It, I, I know, I know, I think I know for sure you two have seen it, and I think quite quite recently, Josh and Jack in your questionable <laughs> film club, there's one that I had recorded off the TV with my, that me and my sister used to watch a, a lot, and there's one scene in particular I just used to love doing impressions of. <laughs> And that is um, Dana Carvey's Master oh of Disguise. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it Turtle? Is it Turtle Man? Is it, am I not turtle enough for a Turtle Club? <laughs> oh, my God. I, Andy, I saw that movie. I was on a family holiday to Canada. And already it was the experience of having butter and popcorn where I was like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> and then I sat down to watch all... One hour fifteen twenty. <laughs> no, bad. it's like disguise. it's like sixty five, including bloops, <laughs> <laughs> including bloopers at the end. And I just remember like my jaw hanging open and being like, "This is it. This it doesn't get much better than this." Austin Powers, <laughs> hang up your hat. This is the best comedy film. There's I've a ever new seen. sheriff in town. <laughs> Austin Powers, hang up your hat. There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> kids are dumb man god kids are fucking dumb it must be horrible to be a parent to young kids yeah no it, it'd be amazing it'd be amazing <laughs> if you if like your child's you favorite film is dinosaurs this well this is why parents of our generation have grown up okay with like just whacking on a youtube and like a two-hour youtube <laughs> video of some fruit dancing and just being like look at this kid <laughs> It's so much trash. <laughs> Lucia, you're excited for the rise of Gru. Beautiful, beautiful trash. <laughs> am, I, am I excited for the rise of Gru? That's a, that's a, of course I'm excited for the rise of Gru. Of course I am. I've watched all the trailers. I've tried to read as much many blogs as I can. I'm up with the fanfic to see if anything new gets released. You know, I'm... Yes, I'm excited. Their only weekend. (laughs) Yeah, very, very excited. Very excited for that. That's right, right in my wheelhouse. (laughs) Any mention of uh, Gru and the Minions? Unnecessary unnecessary lore. (laughs) Backstory, rich and backstory, the Gru story. Any mention of Gru and the Minions, I always have to mention that my mum loved the first Minions film and we bought her the Minions soundtrack for Christmas. Um, amongst other stuff as well. That wasn't her main present. On but we bought, her the Minions, <laughs> we bought her the Minion soundtrack. And the first half of it is like kind of your classic 60s hits. It's like uh, it's it's like um, uh, uh, the Turtles and uh, Hair and all of this stuff. <laughs> and then um, the second half is just all originally composed music from the Minions movie. And so we okay. were sitting around opening our presents, <laughs> listening to the CD. And then eventually there was a moment where the music just became like... Yeah, with the odd little banana thrown in. Which just kind of somehow now, whenever I think of minions, I think of Christmas. We're back. A dinosaur story featuring the voices of John Goodman. Roll back back to the dawn of time when Earth was smoking and the lava flowed. Martin Short. I like comedy myself. Jay Leno. You're gonna love this! Julia Child. Welcome, welcome! And Walter Cronkite. And that's the way it is. Well, roll back the rock! Turn back the clock! Based upon the best-loved children's book by Hudson Talbot. We're back. A dinosaur story. Where is Central Park? 
Did I do anything bad? No. You are great. They were our thoughts on We're Back, in a way. Uh, did anybody else get in touch, Andrew, with any of their own thoughts on We're Back, a dinosaur story? A dinosaur's we had a, story. We had a grand total of two comments, but a lot of likes for this one. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't know whether that speaks to just cowards out there not giving them thoughts <laughs> on We're Back, a dinosaur cowards. story. You cowards. <laughs> These dinosaurs not horny enough for you? Uh, I love you really listening. <laughs> <laughs> now let's slag them all off. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a chat uh, tweet from Jack Gregson at JFG in Digital 3D on Twitter. I'm sure you've heard the Mal- Malkovich story on this one. Not sure I entirely believe it, but it's a fun story nonetheless. As for the movie itself, loved it as a kid. Can't imagine it holds much for me now. So, yes, I would probably leave it there, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum. Leave it back there. Alive. Leave it in the nostalgia, <laughs> nostalgia haze. <laughs> On the other side of the scale, we had a tweet from Raptor King. Uh, and Raptor King said, there should be a reboot of this film. And it could be a great story. I think Raptor King has a vested interest in this. <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> Judging by his username. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to make we're back the box office behemoth that the great storm of thanksgiving 1993 at nice tyrannosaurus rex said hey give it a break guys <laughs> Uh, but thanks for tweeting, guys. <laughs> and thank you both for joining us for this discussion on We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. It's been as wild a ride as I was hoping it would be <laughs> to suitably match the film. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I'm I'm just counting down the hours until I can come on and do the house with a clock in its walls. <laughs> <laughs> You're so greedy. You, do, you want the little rascals too, don't you? I do want the little rascals <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm a little rascal myself. You little alfalfa uh, quiff going on. <laughs> well, you you just let me know when you're doing the walking with dinosaurs oh, yeah. sort of like news. <laughs> when you've moved on to the new pod, yeah. I know someone who's watched that VHS for at least two years solidly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be right, right, Lucy. There. I'll be at you. Have window. you seen the David Attenborough new dinosaur program? Oh yeah, prehistoric planet. Second it's episode great. in the row. has come up. Yeah. <laughs> Been two dinosaur we- weirdly yeah, well, <laughs> weirdly i have not <laughs> i i have not uh and uh to my shame that the dinosaurs sort of fell off rapidly uh when i left when i sort of left home and and maybe it's time i pick them back up again because it seems like this will dino be the moment content. <laughs> maybe this, this is week, it maybe this is it i, I dive right back, back in yeah. new jurassic new jurassic park movie new in jurassic. the cinema i would a actually new dinosaur show on yeah. apple I would love to get you back on, Lucy, for Jurassic Dino World Mania Dominion back. whenever that comes up, whenever we do that. I would love that. There's you... a lot of overlap yes. uh, between Dominion and <laughs> We're Back a Dinosaur's story. I'd love to get your thoughts. Yep. Count me in. Count me in. Anything that is sort of lizard, mm-hmm. prehistoric, mm-hmm. around those, like that Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. 
get me right in. I sit in the centre of that. So, so we'll really that, be that'll back. Be <laughs> I will be back. Uh, and we hope you join us again too, dear listener, for our next film, which will be from filmmaker Stephen Gyllenhaal, father of Jake and Maggie. Uh, the romantic drama from 1993, starring Deborah Winger, Barbara Hershey and Gabrielle Bryan. A Dangerous Woman, which is not available to stream anywhere. <laughs> so good luck with us <laughs> having to cover that one. <laughs> a lot of pressure on the synopsis for that to, one. <laughs> going to have to find a VHS on eBay or something. Yeah, <laughs> have, you got, uh, have you got Jake or Maggie on that episode? <laughs> uh. I'll never tell. <laughs> Um, so yes, I can't tell you where you can watch that movie because there is literally nowhere to watch it unless you have it. <laughs> it is <laughs> literally the Wikipedia page just says it was once released on video in the United Kingdom. <laughs> uh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no. Andy, how the hell are we going to watch it then? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do, man? <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Dear Mr. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Uh-oh. I mean, I can, I can, uh, I can ring my, ring my mum and see, see if, if that was the fourth VHS. Oh, <laughs> if that was the Jesus. fourth VHS that we owned, I can see whether we still oh. got that. Could be incriminating if we do find a way to watch it if there are no legal means. Um, if any listeners out there um, have any thoughts on the film, or indeed a copy VHS or, or DVD. Please do tweet Please us. Please send us it. At ramblinamblin. Uh, or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com and uh, help us. Please, because this sounds like it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Dear Ramblin boys, please send me five dollars. <laughs> I will send you a copy from Stephen Gyllenhaal. I've just also seen that it was never released on Region 1 DVD, so even the Americans so didn't want it on disc. Yeah. It's literally never been on it's disc. Been <laughs> well, Janet Masson of the New York Times me. liked it, particularly Winger's acting. It got Jill nominated for Golden yeah. Globes. <laughs> Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal are actually in it. How did they yeah. get those parts? <laughs> Christ Almighty! Well, so we may skip. <laughs> we, there may not <laughs> Might be a, be a next very short episode. episode. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, join us to see if we do actually have anything to say, and if we even manage to watch a dangerous woman. <laughs> a big thank you once again, Jack and Lucy, for joining us. But we're back at Dinosaur Story. It's been an absolute pleasure to welcome you. Welcome you back, Jack, and to welcome you to Ramblin' Lucy. Thank you very much, both. Thank you both. Pleasure to be here. And we'll see you next time, listeners. I've been Andy Godian. I've been a former Joshua Glenn. <laughs> and all together, we've been Ramblin' and Amblin' podcast, all about We're Back, a dinosaur story. And remember, kids, eat your brain grains. See you next time. <laughs>